Welcome back to the Nick's State of Mind podcast. I'm Chip Murphy. We have two very special guests today. Uh, my first guest is my co-host and my very good friend, Jeff Campbell from the Hoops Addicts Anonymous podcast. Thanks for coming on today, Jeff. Oh, dude, of course. Uh, anytime uh, that I get to talk Nick's uh, with you and, and uh, with our next guest here, I'm always very appreciative. So I, ready to get yeah. going. Absolutely. I was just saying it's really awkward for me to be introducing you for once. It's the, I, yeah, it's very take, surprised. Yeah. It feels nice. It feels, yeah. nice. it feels nice to not be steering the ship this time. <laughs> and our other guest is, again, equally uh, special, the star of Nick's Film School's halftime show, Clubhouse, uh, Fordham Radio, uh, the post midterm Chris Percyinen. Thank Hello. you for joining us, Chris. Thank you for having me on, Chip. As Jeff said, um, this this trio sitting down to talk hoops is never not a good time. So uh, obviously excited. Um, yeah, I, I I took I've been I've been trying to get on the show for weeks like i always have a i do i do post-its now so i'm a, I'm a post-it guy now so i do green for school assignments and orange for like sports stuff and i've just had like open box chip like <laughs> as like the second item on an orange post-it for like three weeks now because i'm all well, we're always talking i'm like yeah i gotta get on the show it's like yeah well, i gotta get on the show i'm like all right well let's write this down and then Essay, essay. I'm doing an essay. I have an essay due on the. I'm going to do it on the Sopranos, um, in in a couple of days. I've got some, you know, some some different stuff going. I have another essay due on the just the year 1963. Um, so you know, lot lots of stuff happening, a busy schedule, but of course, very glad to finally be able to sit down to talk hoops. Thank you for coming. I like that I'm on a post-it. I think that's probably the first time I've ever been on a post-it. But first of all, we have to <laughs> talk. What's your Sopranos essay about? That's I, We have to talk about that. Encoding and decoding. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about how, um, you know, even though it's not perhaps the intended message, like this sense, sense, sen, good pronunciation. Sensationalization is that sen? Am I? I this think is this sensationalism. Is you know what? Is sensation yeah. sensationalization. Oh, okay. That's it. Sensationalization is that a word? I've never They're heard that sensationalizing, word before. Sensationalizing, like the mafia, yeah. the mafia lifestyle right. and its riches and what can come of it. Um. And even if, you know, not intended, like a bunch of people will watch this show and see the message of like, oh, well, if you're smart and like navigate things, you can make a lot of money and get CD players. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but and also get yourself in a lot of trouble, which is like what is you're supposed to also be noticing. 
uh, which I'll talk about as well. So just like, you know, the different, you know, how that lifestyle is portrayed, um, how people interpret it, like different readings of the show, how you might interpret it. Um, We were allowed to pick like any show or movie we wanted. And I was like, this is a fun one. (laughs) So Yeah, exactly. One of the greatest shows ever. So perfect choice. Yeah. Macri and his his guys got me on it. Oh, didn't, um, didn't what's it called the the Italian American community? I remember when like Sopranos was in its heyday. I think that's exactly what they were upset about. I think right, like there were some people that I think when they saw the show, like they were upset about the glorifying nature of like the mafia and and whatnot. And like I don't know if that is like part of what you what, what is going to be written about too. But I think that was like part of it too. Oh yeah, that would that totally could come up in my essay. That's likely gonna be a bullet point on my outline now. Thank you. <laughs> and tonight's the first matchup of RJ and Zion, the first of many in their two Hall of Fame careers. I'm sure first ballot RJ and Zion. And Chris, I know I you have vision. a lo- yes, and Chris, I'm I know you have a lot to say about RJ and calling out everybody who's doubted him. So oh, we man. talked we talked to uh Jonathan Macri on here about uh all the the hate towards the 25 under 25 list. Macri that old guy was the hate. <laughs> but, but man, him and his on that Yash Yash and I will never let the Karis Levert thing go. Uh he's um, he's turned around on it though, Macri. Oh, I'm sure. sure. (laughs) Are you saying that you had a helping hand, a friendly push in the right direction? Um, He just, I just think, I mean, there was the one mailbag where I was just like speechless as he ranked him our fifth asset or whatever. Oh, yeah, he was way down on him at one point. um, With me, for me with RJ, it's always just been patience. Because, like, the point guard situation here in New York, number one, which we'll get into, and number two, the fact that, like, I'm realizing with certain players, you just cannot or should not even try to, like, statistically prove anything. You, you should just 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 wait. <laughs> like, you, 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 you know... It's fair to come up with something and use stats to back it. Like, like who am I to be like, don't use numbers to back your claim. When people start using numbers to try and find claims to make and then just back them because they feel like they have to, like, well, RJ's numbers look really bad, so I'm going to say that they're really bad and then decide that he can't get better. And I'm going to ignore, like, the awful context in which he was, like, raised in his rookie season. And the co- just everything, like, everything about last year's roster was against RJ. We now find out they tried, like, they literally did change his shooting form after he spent all offseason trying to, like, RJ Barrett, I, I hate to make it sound this simple, because I feel like my basketball takes are normally more nuanced than this 
at least like logically like i try to put some real thought into like when i say things so i'm bro rj barrett like came into the nba from duke as decorated as he was in high school and is like a like a basketball world prince like you talk to people in basketball circles like it's like just look at a resume montverde duke drew hamlin new york knicks like nash Steve Nash, Godfather, not first, but before any of those. And his dad was a pro player. Like, like this is a basketball kid. This is, you just can't, you can't be like, but his three-point percentage in his rookie season, who gives a shit? It's like Jalen Brown. And RJ is going to hopefully go down better than Jalen Brown all time. But the point is that, like, there's you have to look at context and you have to look at like where these guys started from as far back as high school and what they were doing and what tools they have. And you just have to like not care to a certain extent, I think, about stats that are trying to show you one thing when work ethic, like like Emmanuel Quickly's shot, as we've read, is literally just a product of like addiction to improvement. RJ Barrett has that same fire to me. Like he just he actually wants to be very good. Yeah. I mean if if the one thing that a guy has going against him is that he's not as good as Zion Williamson, which is all that you can really say about him now. That what he's he's second in his rookie class. And I think you you can I mean, we talked about this the last show. You can clearly after that Memphis game even before the Memphis game, you can make the argument for him over Morant. Yeah. And yeah, okay. well, he won that duel. Yeah. And he won that duel. Clearly. The other thing with Barrett is that because he plays the air quotes too, people don't. And by people, I just mean like not Nick fans, like zoom totally zoomed out, like the NBA landscape. Like I feel like as far as, I'm, I'm sure teams are noticing now behind the scenes, pro scout guys and players. and But I feel like like dialogue-wise, national media, even just Twitter, like it's underrated that he's a wing doing all the things that he's doing, playmaking, shooting, defending. Like he's a wing who's ripped as shit doing all the things that he's doing. He's not like a shooting guard. This isn't 6'5 Malik Monk, like, having a little hot stretch like this I is talk, a I want to talk about built, Malik Muck later by the way I'm, I'm I'm down this is a built ass what 6'6 six, six wing what he's like 215 220 um both ends of the floor playing great especially off ball defense perimeter shooting recently playmaking recently um, I talked about it on Pod Strickland. Emmanuel quickly and RJ now, unfortunately, quickly in a bit of a, a rookie slump, it seems. But just like since the All Star break, the playmaking has been like they added more. Ah, man, like 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 they added more sounds to their drum kit. Like they just they've got the same they've got the same set of skills. They're not like mar- they're not like noticeably better at what they're doing. 
they've just like RJ just has like a, a couple extra moves now that I guess he worked on over the all-star break or something. Like he's better now at finding his spots in the paint and kicking out to the corner that, and, and that's an improvement I noticed with IQ right out of the break as well. Just little things like little in-season improvements. You know, you're not sitting here during the season expecting some massive improvement, but I just think for RJ, to have that slump and then go to where he is now is super great. Yeah, I think um, I think RJ definitely developed some counters that you see him kind of employ on a nightly basis when uh, teams try to defend him a certain way. The other thing that I think gets kind of caught up in the whole RJ conversation, and like Chris, you pointed out, like he's definitely basketball royalty, but I also think that guys who always, you know, rely necessarily on the eye test in terms of evaluating a player there's certain things that people look for and value higher than other i guess tools within the skill set that just off the naked eye they don't jump out at you with rj so whether it's speed or explosion um you know i'm i'm, I'm thinking of like there's a certain class of player that we are now getting used to in the NBA, like having an, a positive effect on the game, but it's not because they can jump out of the gym um, and it's not because they have Kyrie handle, right? Like I'm thinking of like Shea Gilgis or to a much lesser extent, please, I'm not comparing this guy to RJ, but like Kyle Anderson, like guys- No, I get what you're saying. Who really know how to navigate um, in tight oh. spaces- a basketball court. Right. Well, that's Ginobili. Right. Ginobili exactly. didn't, wasn't eye-popping or anything. Yeah. And and he's probably the biggest um, example of that. And the other thing, honestly, man, with RJ that just I don't think we can harp on it enough is, like, he's got this, and I'm, I'm this is a little bit of a hyperbole, but, like, he's got this Jeter-esque quality about him. And I'm not talking about clutch yet because he doesn't have the – the sample size to back that up, even though I'm so happy that he's starting to get there a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Yo, he just has a stoicism about him and that like, he doesn't get rattled. No, no moment is too big. Like, what did he say after he missed the shot in the Minnesota game? He's like, I'm really confident in myself. I have, you, you can see it in his eyes. He's like, please, please give me that shot again, please. One more time. Like, okay. They want me to have the ball in that situation. Do it again. I just, I promise you. And so that's really what I love about him because again, when we drafted him, I was, I was just, obviously I was worried about the shot. Um, but I, I think what I was also worried about is, okay, what if these other areas that we're concerned about don't come around, right? How is his confidence going to be hit by that? And you saw what happened in the early part of this season he was dreadful, man. Like, and he was trying and you could see he's pressing, he's putting up three pointers. He's missing them. Like I forget. He went through a crazy stretch. Historically bad. Yeah. Right. But what happened? He came out on the other side. He never broke. And that's just, that's part of RJ's makeup that I just feel like whatever his ceiling is, I don't, I almost don't, I don't want to say I don't care because he's the number three pick in the draft. But like what I know is this, he's going to play winning basketball and he's going to help your, your team win. I think everything else after that, 
is gravy. Um, but I'm just I, I love watching a kid play, man. Like he's he's great. Yeah. Also, really quickly, just like I, not yet yet because he doesn't have to yet. Um, Julius is here and has really, really, really taken on this role in an impressive way. But that coolness that RJ has, um, that's that, and this isn't a comp, this is a off-court, and not an, I'm not an off-court even comp, just like that, not that, go back to that Raptors championship team, not the Kyle Lowry, but the Kawhi, like just the, the cool business doer, you know, like RJ, whether he's your third option, whether he's your second option, he's doing a great job at right now. Um, he's like you said, he's going to show up. He's going to play winning basketball. Something that people underrate, I think, especially my generation as a result of NBA 2K. Uh, no joke is is decision making with the basketball um, in 2K. You hit a and no matter who you're controlling, like they pass it right in real life. You have guys like Kelly Oubre in the Steve Kerr system. Just not. It's not it's not for him. It's not for him. And when Draymond was hurt and then came back, as you guys hear the beautiful motorcycle sounds of the Bronx. Um, when, when Draymond came back, his flat-out superior decision-making to guys like Wiggins, Ubre, these people that uh, on the Warriors, um, it, it helped them. And Draymond's not scoring. Draymond's not shooting. Draymond, right? But just he's smart with the basketball, and it helps your offense open up totally. RJ Barrett is shooting and is scoring and will be putting pressure on the paint. But also, like, like your guy, Obi, like they just, these guys can make smart passes. These guys know what's going on in the court. It shows with RJ on the defensive end of the court as well, for me, particularly off the ball. Um, he has his arm out in the right direction just to snag the ball out of the air. He knows just, he gets while he's sliding left to, he, he just gets it. He gets it. He gets it. And he's, he's racking up off ball steals i'm noticing balls deflections hitting him his elbow his hand whatever just by being active by being in the right spots and knowing what he should do i think if you watch uh, a half or a game of basketball like just watching rj barrett like he's already at the point at age 20 defensively where it's like dictionary stuff like this is how to do this this is how you do this this it, it just he's great he's great um and that that means a lot at age 20 yeah he's completely advanced and obviously a lot of the credit for that goes to tibbs but i want to move from uh just talking about rj to talking about tonight and rj versus zion and we got to talk a little bit about zion because these two guys are always going to be talked about together forever yep. those guys are going to be compared to each other whether it doesn't matter the fact that they're close friends they're always going to be compared to each other and zion has been incredible 26.8 points 7.1 rebounds 3.1 assists 
made 62% of his field goals. Doesn't take a lot of threes, but he's made 36% of his threes, 70% from the free throw line. He's been dominant. With that said, the team stinks. I mean, compared to what they were supposed to be, they're, you know, they're 25 and 29 coming into tonight, and their defense is awful. Yeah. So the Knicks should score very easily on them. Uh, right now, obviously, Zion is everything people expected him to be. Yeah. Just real quick, real quick, what do you guys have to say about Zion right now? I'll go real, real quick um, and say something maybe too bold. But I saw a tweet that's like there are defensive coverages that have been in use for like 30 plus years that Zion's just like shitting on effortlessly by just like moving. Like he just walks and it's like shit. That's 30 years of sketches gone down the drain because he can move from there to there in that amount of time at that size. Like shit. You know, I think as he gets smarter at understanding how crazy it is that like Travis Kelsey is a power forward. Um, you're going to see that kind of defense breaking at like a Steph level, but in the paint, like you're going to see teams deploy some shit to try to figure out how to stop him because he's right now, like, making most defensive coverages into his child. And it's it's just, like, really entertaining, but also terrifying. Well, I almost wonder if Tibbs employs a uh, approach that he did with Drummond the other night. When, when Drummond caught the ball in the post, you know, they literally had um, some, obviously the person guarding Drummond, someone at the nail, and then someone on the other post. And they're just watching their 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 focus is completely on drummond and when he turns they're going to close off his lane and if he goes um to the left side or whatever then that's that's on nerlands to figure out but i wonder if they're going to do something like that or you know or try and put a wall in front of them or or maybe even kind of like a Giannis defense right like fucking if, wall yeah I mean, it's, it, it's it's you know it's going to be something like that i think um, the only issue with that is that, you know, Brandon Ingram is unreal as well. Um, but I don't know. I mean, uh, it's, it's, I, I, I'm just personally more fascinated with how they're going to build that team going forward. Because, I don't think they have any clue. And well, that's the thing. And, and, you know, it's funny because there was a lot of people on Nick's Twitter that I think, and rightly so, were kind of really questioning David Griffin's acumen. And in terms of like mocking David Griffin's act, right. You know, like, I participated. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or lack thereof. I still participate. <laughs> so I think that, I think that that's really going to be interesting now going forward because these next two years are going to be huge, you know, whatever it is, whether it's coaching, free agents, drafting, like they have to figure some shit out quick. I can't wait for the Bradley Beal desperation trade. <laughs> he was I mean, handed on the table. handed a once in a lifetime prospect on right. a silver platter gifted right. that guy right and was like steven adams yeah <laughs> I, I just if he fucks that up first like, round pick yeah extension oh my Boom. god 
I know. Look, I get it. Presti's a wizard, blah, blah, blah. But, but Jesus, can he, re- he really talk to you into giving Steven Adams an extension too? Did you really have to give him the extension? Why did you do that? You didn't even see him play next to Zion before you gave him that money. What were you thinking? <laughs> it wasn't even like it was cheap too. Like he really, and they had Jackson Hayes. Like they just, Griffin himself just drafted Jackson Hayes. Yeah. It's not even like he was like, Oh, Hayes is from the last front office. He's not my guy. Like he was literally your guy. You traded all over that lottery. <laughs> oh man! By the way, he drafted Anthony Bennett too. So Griffin he, just gets yes. bored, dude. He just like outsmarts himself. I feel like the media oh. loves him so much. Griff. Oh my god, they love him. But you know what's funny though? There was one guy. I actually don't know if he's still on the Pelicans anymore. But I remember. The Stepien was like, when Luca got drafted, I think Kenrich Williams was in his draft class. He's on the Thunder. Yeah. And Kenrich I Williams. He's playing well, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. He is. So he was, but that, that's the thing. Like, he, he was a good player. Like, I remember the guys from the Stepien being like, listen, like, Kenrich Williams is going to have a, a 15-year NBA career. Like, because he's really smart and he does some things really well. Um, and it's just so funny. Like, I don't want to get too much on a thunder, but yo, I was just looking at the guys that are developing the other day. Like, holy shit. Like they, they, they have, they yeah, they're going to be awesome again in like five years. Oh my God, man. What did, what did Dort have? Like 30, 40 points. Like, are you kidding me? Uh, I, don't, I don't, I don't give a shit about Dort. Dort, Dort. You don't a, give a shit about Dort? No. Playoff time. We know what he is. Um, oh. Well, after what, one one playoffs, that, playoff that time. You know what he is? Wait, he's a lockdown defender. He's yeah. one of the best defenders in the NBA. He is. he is. He he got the fatty out of there last year, but um, not not enough. Oh, this I, is a Poku I, thing. This is a Poku I, thing. Oh, no, no, twelve percent. I think Dort is is good. I just I'm not freaking out over him. Like I don't think he's starting on your. But that's like not a concern now. You know what I mean? That just doesn't matter. They're gonna they're gonna get handed Cade, and then they'll have they'll have SGA off ball, like 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 he should be on a contending team, and all will be balanced and well for Oklahoma City and Sam Presti again. I, I mean, whether it's Mobley or Cade or whatever, like they're they're not gonna mess that pick up. They can't. Like this this class is too good for them to be able to do that. They're going to be good again. So they'll be, they'll be just fine. Yeah. They'll be just fine. You give Poku like two more, one more year after this one. And then you start, you start looking with a little more of a critical eye. I think like the first two seasons of his NBA career have to be like going transitions from going from playing like me in a Greek gym to NBA guys. Um, I think two years is, is fair. And then like year three, you can start being like, all right, let's start really seeing things out of this guy, but we're not in a huge rush. Like just want to see stuff still people less scrawny by then. Hopefully. Um, I think, I think by year three and four, he starts like being an actual good, good player though. I don't think it takes too, too long after these first two years. So you're giving, 
I don't want to go too deep down the poker. I'm, I'm giving him two. Life. I'm giving him two years <laughs> of excused like fuck up time. Bruno Cabocolo or whatever that guy's. No, name no, is. no, mean, not two years from being two years away. I'm giving him two years of excused fuck up time, and then, and then he can he can start being serious okay. year three. He's in the perfect place for that right now. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. He'll, he'll be just fine. Fuck up all you want. Speaking of, they love it. Speaking of fucking up all you want, that's a perfect time to transition into my Dennis Schroeder conversation. Let's let's talk about Ian Bagley's Dennis Schroeder report. Yeah, that the Knicks, I guess, have their eye on Schroeder, which doesn't mean they're going to sign him. Obviously, but it makes sense that they would be considering him. He's going to be a free agent. Obviously, the. Uh, report from I think it was Woj earlier that he that Schroeder turned down the four year eighty four million dollar contract extension gives you pause about having to assume that you would have to give him more than twenty million per year to a guy like Dennis. Yeah, Schroeder. that's the whole conversation for me right there. Yeah, because if Schroeder were more affordable, and you were telling me like, get Schroeder, right for like fourteen per for three years or whatever with the the third year being a team option type guarantee, whatever shenanigan Brock Aller. And you have a a guy opposite RJ on the wing who can do stuff, whether that's like, let me pull names out of a hat here. Like Harrison Barnes, Evan Fournier, like guys who can do stuff. I'm just saying like Schroeder, one of those guys, Barrett Randall Mitch. That's not a bad for Tom Thibodeau to work with. You, you're you've got something. However, at the cost that Schroeder is gonna have to be gotten at because he knows he has the Lakers in a tough spot. I'm good. I'm good. I think Tibbs could do a lot with his um penetration and just the fact that like like he just reminds Schroeder reminds me of young, a young old D Rose, kind of, a little bit, Ouch. like, <laughs> like if old D Rose played like he was like twenty four, that that's kind of like a, a little bit what Schroeder's like, which, which is something because old D Rose avoids paint contact and tough landings and stuff because we know why. Um, Schroeder doesn't, so I I would get it, I would get it, but at the price that it's gonna take, I would not at all. But take away the price. Don't even think about the contract for one second. Does he fit with the team? Yeah, because we're doing what we're doing with Alfred at the one. So Schroeder is just like that. Schroeder is what Tibbs plays Alfred for, but actually good at those things. So he would totally fit. He would totally fit. I just want no parts of it. If it's like more than 18 million a year and it's sounding like it's going to be more than like 21 million a year. So hell no, I just, I have no, I, I, I have no interest in that price tag. Jeff, what do you think of Schroeder? Yeah, I think like, I think he's been, he's been a pretty successful NBA player. Like I, I think we have to give him that, you know, like he's a, he's a Paul and Braun merchant, you know, now he's, I, I, I mean, he's, he's been pretty good in, in two spots. Um, I think the which spots, Jeff? Who was he had? He had some good years. <laughs> no, I, 
I def- I I just defended him. I'm just saying the two yeah. really good years were Chris Paul and LeBron accompanied. His numbers since LeBron went out, he shoots oh, no, pretty well. They've been they've been fine. They've been I mean, fine. I'm not, I'm not teams hold, like I'm four and four or something. Completely hold them accountable for some of those Atlanta teams. Um, but I mean, like he, I'm just saying from a a skill set uh, perspective, like. He, he definitely does some things on the court. Um, I just, it's just so funny. Like if I just have to think about this summer and if we're committing $20 million to anybody, I just really hope it's Lonzo Ball and not Schroeder. But um, Dennis Schroeder is a good player and, and he's, he's in that tier below um, your top point guards, at least in the East. I'm sorry, um, at, at least in the West. Uh, but but he's he's good. I mean, I I wouldn't he wouldn't be on the top of my list. The the free agent list isn't very deep. So you know, I I just I don't know who's gonna pay him that much. I don't know. I I just uh, I it, you could say well, the free agent class isn't deep, and that's why he's gonna succeed because of it. But even so, I, I just don't know who's really gonna shell out four years twenty mil. Um, for him, but maybe somebody will. I don't know. Dinwiddie, years, twenty mil. Matt Macri, well, four four eighty. He means four eighty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Macri was like Dinwiddie is Schroeder, but better at things, and then probably cheaper because the injury. Like, I'd rather I'd rather Dinwiddie than pay I, up for Schroeder. I agree with that. I would actually I would go with I would I would take Dinwiddie off the injury over Schroeder. Um. Lonzo if this is the price for Schroeder, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But just because he turned down that extension doesn't mean he's going to make more money than that, right? That could have been, right. right. been a fuck up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, remember Nerland's Noel, didn't he turn down four years something? Yeah, he had, yeah. He had off-court really? stuff that affected his payout too. Yeah, true. Um. So it's a little different, but with Schroeder, like three sixty-six from some desperate team doesn't sound totally no out of pocket. Like if they yeah. think that if they that that's Charlotte giving Rogier that deal. That's the same contract, pretty much. No, I'd rather have Rogier. Oh, totally. But at the time that they signed Rogier versus Schroeder, right now, I think those guys are kind of similar. Not play style. I'm to, yeah, but I'm trying to think good of in this. Rogier's age when he signed. I think he was 25, little... 24, no? 25. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Is wait, is is Schroeder 25? Schroeder's like 26 or 27, right? Oh my god. I feel like he's been in the league a lot longer than that. I I thought he was older than that. No, yeah. No, I get three years, 66. 27. 27, okay. He's 27. Yeah. Three years, 66. You're right. Someone will give him that. Especially if the Lakers win the finals and he plays well, he'll easily. Yeah. Yeah. Someone. So I'm not going to be the team to do it. If we could get Dinwiddie on a two year deal that benefits both sides, you know, um, Devontae Graham chip. I was going to bring, I was going to bring him up when we talked about Malik Monk. I was going to bring up Devontae. Do it now. I I Sell absolutely me. I 
I don't even think he needs to be sold. But if I have to sell you on Devontae Graham, I will. Devontae Graham is a perfect fit for this team. Uh, even though I I tried to sell our good friend Jonathan Macri on Devontae Graham and Malik Monk, he was not really hearing it. He didn't want Devontae Graham. See, Monk, I think Monk on the flyer to be part of the bench mob intrigues me more. Okay. Okay. Well, here. Let me because let me I why. still am in on that skill set. Okay. Big time. Okay. Let me sell you on Devontae Graham first. Yeah. I get I get the Malik Monk appeal, the Kentucky thing, that it would be a, a much smaller deal and you'd have to give more money to Devontae, more years to Devontae. I get that. Monk is a lot younger. Small guards, Chip. Small guards. I don't small I just don't guards. know. guards. Malik Monk has alligator arms anyway. So it's not like he's gonna <laughs> be locking anybody down. It doesn't really fucking matter. Look, Devontae works his ass off. That's what I will start with. He he look, he's not a guy who's ever gonna lock anybody down. He does work really, really hard. And he had that heart. He had like an RJ Barrett bad start shooting from three. Even where he was like the worst offensive player in the NBA at the start of the season. Since then, he's been red hot. Yeah. Like he's been on fire recently. So, and right now he's shooting, I think 30, yeah, 38% from three right now and 83% from the free throw line. Um, he's miserable on two pointers. He's, he's, he's just not a guy who's ever going to shoot high two-pointers. He's 37% overall. That's just not his game. He's never going to be great around the rim because he's small and it's just not who he is, but he's a gunner. Like I was talking about this uh, last week. He's, he's a gunner and he's a scorer. And I just feel like he'd be a great fit. The Knicks need scoring and they need shooting. And I think he's a very underrated passer. I think he's shown a lot more of that recently with Lamella ball going out and his shots are way down this year and his scoring is way down, but he could be more of a passer, but I think his best role is clearly when he's coming off the bench and he's been forced into a starting role more in Charlotte with Lamella. Oh, so you hurt. want, you want Graham off the bench. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, that's so different. Awesome. Oh, I think he'd That's be awesome so off the bench. So are you are you like Graham and quickly off the bench? Yeah. Is that is that the thing? Is, so that that's your that's Well, I think ultimately I'd like quickly to be the starting point guard, but I think if the two of them played together, yeah, I think they could absolutely play together. I think like when I was talking about it with Macri, I think he thought that like quickly's best role I think is like as a bench scorer going forward. Like I so I think he thought that they kind of clashed with each other. And so I think it bringing on a guy like Devante kind of uh, depends on what you think quickly is going to be going forward. Right. So, because if you think quickly is going to be a bench guy going forward, then signing Devante long-term, I guess doesn't make sense, but I think quickly. And what, what, like 12 a year, 13, like what's your. Yeah. Right. Like I, I look, he, he takes and makes a lot of threes. So and this is this would be instead of bringing D Rose back, is that what it is? I guess I would bring him. I would bring him in over bringing D Rose back. He's twenty six. D right. Rose is thirty. I know. I know. 32. I'm just. I'm just trying to think of rotation. So you go like, or you. Can oh, bring it depends back. what we do with the the picks too. I'm trying. Like, could you really not bring back all three guys? 
No, I, 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 I'm not. I'm not framing it as an unrealistic ad. I'm just, I'm just conjuring up rotations in my head. Like, could we move up from Moody? Could we get Moody with a pick? Could we? I feel like if I feel like if you got Graham, IQ, Moody, Obi, re-sign Noel off the bench, like you got something going there. I think the move uh, has to has to beat him to move up on the pick. That's at least what I would believe. I'd be so surprised if they. Well, they're not drafting three rookies. We know that. No, right. We know that. Devontae's the total Tibbs guy, by the way. Total yeah, Tibbs guy. That's true. Uh, Riley Glenn, co-host of To a Tolerable Degree, is yes. a huge Kansas Great fan. Podcast. Huge Kansas fan. Thank you. And huge Devontae Graham guy. So uh, he, he, he'll he be on board with this. I'll, I'll, I'll ask him what he thinks about the quickly fit. Because that next season, that's your backcourt. If you bring in Graham to come off the bench, it's him and quickly off the bench. Um, it's gonna be, you know, whether it's I, I don't think I don't know how realistic Lonzo is, but like whether it's Lonzo, someone RJ, or Lowry, someone RJ, or Dinwiddie, something, you, you, you know, it, it's that that IQ Devontae pairing off the bench is probably what. It would be so. I, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Look, it would be fun as shit to watch. I sure. Oh would. yeah, <laughs> it would be really fun to watch. Look, Graham had like something close to an All Star caliber year last year. A little. It it was a most improved player type of year. Yeah. I mean, guys. I mean, you had a bunch of guys saying that he deserved to win Most Improved Player. He went from four points a game to eighteen points a game. And obviously his numbers are down. His scoring numbers are down because of all the better players they brought in. Yeah, they have. But, they just have a better team. We know yeah. this story well with yeah. our young guys. So. Yeah, they have a better team. But it. I don't. Look, I, I don't overjudge yeah. in that regard. Look, I've I've given up on Evan Fournier. I talked about this with with Jeff already. Gave up on right. Evan Fournier to the Knicks. It's not happening. I know that. So yeah, yeah. And I I've always been a big Devontae Graham fan. So I think it would be. I think he'd be a great fit with this team i really do i think he'd be smart signing and again like you mentioned 12 13 i think that'd be a good price if it came up to something crazy if like the hornets offered him 20 million which i don't see them doing. no i know see that but i think they'd match up to like 14 to 16 they'd, they'd match i think maybe yeah i don't know because I mean, they have Monk is playing the best basketball of his life right now. He's been incredible, and they're not going to bring back Monk and Graham because they have Rogier and Lamelo. So I think the Knicks, one of those guys, is very gettable. But in, you know, one of them did go to Kentucky, so that that would be the the favorite, <laughs> I think, among Knicks the Knicks front office. We know who Worldwide West would prefer. <laughs> Wes Wes has his his guys. Um Brunson <laughs> Brunson will be getting argued for. That that's one of them. Well Brunson's a West guy too. Brunson Brunson is where those two intersect, which is why a bunch yeah. of people think he'll be a Nick at some point. The relationship with Rick. And- you have to you have to think he would be a Nick at some point, Jalen Brunson. He, it just makes sense. His dad, the, the isn't he isn't Leon Rose's godfather? Yeah, 
right? Um, wait, who? Wait, Leon Rose's godfather or Leon Rose is his? I think he is. What is Jalen? Is Jalen uh, Brunson's godfather? I thought I read that somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. No, makes it makes sense. The families are very close. So, but uh, what was I? We were talking about. We're getting off on another dance. Man, Leon. Yeah. <laughs> if Leon, if Leon ran us when we traded Kristaps to Dallas, and we just got Brunson instead of DSJ. Oh. Rats. That you know, that that would mean we like indubitably won that trade. Like indubitable, that, that would have been nice. But uh, no, you see photos all the time of Leon, Rick, Jalen, Wes, and Jalen, whoever. Kid Gilchrist, that's the other guy. I was surprised that uh, the other was super West guy. He didn't get a uh, yeah, something must have happened. Our, he must not be healthy or something. Yeah, when we were looking to fill out our roster, I thought he would get another call considering we had him in camp prior to the beginning of the season, but I guess not. Yeah. I His name was never brought up again. Uh, I mean, it's I, not I like he, he might. I thought he might not do too, too bad here, but people didn't like him because yeah. I love like, I mean, it's a Jersey like, thing for me. I, I would have loved <laughs> to have seen him. I would have loved to have seen him on the team for that reason, but I thought it would have been that. Yeah, of course. Kuminga is next. Yeah. Exactly. Would have been fun to see Gilchrist. And it's not like who's he, who would he have, uh, what would he have done? Taken a spot from Norvell Pell? Like he would have been like, yeah, Norvell Pell or John Henson, like yeah, that type of John role. Henson. <laughs> they're doing a, they're doing a favor for someone with the John Henson thing. Seriously. Yeah. That, that injury was funny. Uh, Stan Van Gundy just said they're, uh, about the Knicks, they're a throwback to '90s Knicks. Wow, <laughs> he's doing interviews right now. <laughs> David David Fisdale is in shambles. <laughs> he he's like, uh, really, really, Bobby Portis and Wayne Ellington couldn't get it done. They needed they needed like structure. Oh God, <laughs> they needed structure. I thought I thought the dogs Imagine were that. enough. Imagine, imagine not the axe. The yeah. axe was going to be enough. <laughs> oh my god, we haven't talked about Fizdale in forever. Just made fun of Fizdale. It's it's nice every once in a while. It's nice to be able to make release fun of him. a little yeah. frustration because I said this in a tweet the other day. He wasn't just not good at his job. Like coaches, the guys that get to become NBA head coaches. It's such like cream of the crop. You know what I mean? Like even a not good NBA head coach is a really good coach. But Fisdale, I feel like was legitimately actively bad at his job. Like he wasn't just not that good at it to an extent where continuing to employ him wasn't justifiable. Like he got fired because he was so actively bad. It wasn't like, oh, the locker room just needs a fresh voice. The, the like the shit with RJ's shot, all this like like he was really. I said it too. Like like Frank and Knox's NBA careers could have gone so differently. Like uh, it's. I think the the it's thing just, that, it's just wild. 
It is, man. Like, I, I think the thing that kills me with Fizz because um, he does seem like a really cool and nice guy. He does seem like somebody who genuinely cares about the people that he works with. But um, it was it was pretty rough. Like, I know, like, Chip and I had talked to a couple trainers that worked with, like, Knox and Randall. And, like, you know, it was it was kind of, like, behind the scenes, it was, like, listen, last year was like, you guys don't know. Like there was just a whole bunch of stuff going on. And like, it like, you know, pretty much the idea was like, okay, Tibbs is in, like, it's time. It's like game time's over now. Like it's time. We're not playing around anymore. Um, yeah, That's when Randall locked in when he heard Tibbs got hired. Right. And yeah. then there was one other thing I was going to say about Fizz. I completely just spaced out and forgot. Oh, that's what I think the other reason why, it feels good for Knicks fans to kind of like shit on Fizz a little bit too, is because the, the the media in general loves to just pigeonhole the Knicks franchise as like, well, it doesn't matter who goes there because Dolan's at the top, you know, it's a shit show there. The media is crazy. They never give any coach the time of day in terms of running their system or their plans. Everyone gets fired. Gutted, gutted and rudderless. Gutted and rudderless. Gutted and rudderless. So like for once, for once it was like, wait a minute. No, it's not just the fucking garden. It's not the, it's not the walls of the garden. It's not Dolan. And it's like, you know what? We have someone who actually came in with a plan and a player development staff and a president who, who actually thought about the strengths and weaknesses of his head coach and put people around that could support him and such and now we're seeing the fruits of that labor so it's like you know fucking finally it's nice to it's nice to watch him on tv too and just see all that all the espn people kiss his ass and whenever the knicks are brought up and yeah they're like oh i understand this is this is awkward for you coach Fizdale. and like it's like why, why is it awkward for him well, what, why he was, he was the coach for like 30 seconds. He did a terrible job and they, and they, it's like, we know he's going to end up back as an assistant with the heat. We all, we all know that's what's going to happen. And, you know, it's just the, the thing that bothers me is that they, the national media acted like, you know, uh, Chris, you said gutted rudderless roster. And that's what the, the national media all blamed uh, the ownership and the front office for Fizzo getting fired. And no one's acknowledging that not a single team has attempted to hire David Fisdale in any capacity since he got fired. No one wants the guy. He's stayed on TV. No one's tried to interview him. No one wants him. We all know he's going back to Miami, but it's the Knicks <laughs> fault. Yeah. He was really good at his job. It was just the Knicks. You know, he was really good in Memphis when he totally underachieved and pissed off the best player on the team or one of the two best players on the team into getting him fired. He was really good there too just a joke but whatever <laughs> whatever whatever he sucks the way she goes <laughs> he was awful all <sighs> right let's let's wrap it up because i don't want to get too pissed off about david fucking <laughs> you gotta you gotta you gotta get the uh you gotta get my word in your vocabulary i i, I people love when i um well, they, you know, they don't love the, the actual circumstances, but like the Knicks will be on some bullshit and it'll look like they're playing five games of one on one 
like at the same time, I'm like, this is some Fizdalian offense right now. Like, this, shit, <laughs> this shit is terrible. And people always love that. Fizdalian has been my my uh, my one way of looking back on that era and and just just using it in in daily conversation. Well, it's if, easy if applicable. It's easy to make fun of them now. Yeah. I mean, so I saw was it you who posted the picture? Someone was goofing on Terry Stotts, I think, last night with a Fisdale meme showing the picture. Oh, no, of the it board. wasn't me, but was it the clipboard with? Yeah, the clipboard. And it, yeah. And the play calls just yeah. together. Yeah, yeah. I thought underlined. Was, I wish I could remember what it was. No, I posted that photo before, though, for sure. Yeah. That, <laughs> that yeah. one's made the rounds. Yeah. That was that was a good one, man. That was together. That was brutal one for Portland. together, though. They oh, lost man. together, Chip. Oh, together. Jesus Christ. Him and Derek that's Fisher like were the same. You guy. ever seen you ever seen the video of the guy at MetLife Stadium? Giants are getting blown out. Fans are leaving in, in, in mass. And this guy just has some this idiot has someone recording. He's standing there like as people are going out, like we've got culture. just 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 going over and over again because gentlemen you know you know uh that that was great that was great (laughs) my my favorite Derek fisher moment ever is when they're getting blown out and they zoom in and he's in the huddle and he's like guys it's just basketball don't worry like i was like oh my god he's like the fucking high school coach he's like gene hackman from hoosiers he's the worst this guy's (laughs) awful Oh God! It, they, I just like Fisdale. The what 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 should have set me off from very early on was when not only did he put a focus on Emmanuel Moutier's development, but he he didn't just bother saying like, "Oh, this kid's got like stuff in him that has not been brought out of him by coaches in the past." In my opinion, I think. He's got, you know, he's got something to prove. He's got stuff to show. He was like, I've worked with with players like him before, like Dwayne Wade and Tyreek Evans. And and what the hell? (laughs) He said Lance Thomas was like Draymond Green. He like there's just like there were just these. He was right about that, though. He was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) There are just these like little things where you're like. Maybe should maybe should still be unemployed. When he tried to turn Julius Randle into LeBron James, that was probably what do you mean? What do you mean? (laughs) Respect LeJulius. Respect LeJulius. When he just tried to do when he tried to do it, though, when he tried to do it, it didn't work. Well, the the problem was that there was just no accountability. It was like, yeah, this is your job. And then Julius would fuck up and he'd be like, I got to do better. No, yeah, there was there was no plan before before Tibbs got there. There was no it's plan. like how they it's did. No the, was it's like, like how they did the Star yeah. Wars sequels. Like they didn't pre-write the three of them. <laughs> like they just kind of did them as they went. They were like, ah, yeah, I got some. I got <laughs> some parents are nobodies. I got. Oh, no, no, no. You, but yeah. now that now now we know who they are. I got something to tell you, Fizdale. No, I'm not going to tell you. Never mind. <laughs> I like that comparison. Oh, man. 
I'll say it's good. It's good every once in a while to to dump on Fizdale. It's a nice little it's a nice oh, little God. therapy session for Nick. <laughs> oh God, he sucked. I'm so <laughs> glad he's. I'm so glad he's not around anymore. Oh God. Uh, I do. I do want to have us give some predictions for this uh, Pels game that's about to start. Yeah. Oh boy. In, uh, about 40 minutes. And what do you guys think? Do uh, the Knicks pick up the win tonight? I'll do it. I'll, I'll be the guy. They haven't won four in a row all year. Mm-hmm. Um, the, th- the three in a row stand at home was awesome. But even with Lonzo out, I, I think um, the fact that we don't have Mitch is tough. Like if we had Mitch with Noel off the bench, who? I, I think we could win by like eight, 10 against this team. Cause they have Ingram and Zion. And I think we could, but with Zion year two Zion, even without Lonzo to help unlock him. Uh, if Ingram really steps it up tonight and, you know, Bullock and RJ can't, can't really stay on top of him. Then I, I can see us struggling. So I, I don't want to predict the Knicks win. Just because I don't know if tonight is our first fourth win in a row, but I wouldn't I wouldn't fault you for doing it just because they you know they do not have Lonzo and we are on a roll. I'm glad you brought up the Mitch thing because the Pels are one of the best rebounding teams in the NBA. Now I think that's gonna be a big thing about tonight. And the Pels are favored too, and I think that's obviously for a reason. Last I looked, it was like by three and a half. Might be yeah, the line was now. two and a half oh, earlier and a half today. Now? Okay. No, it was early earlier today. I think if last you looked, it was three and a half. It probably shifted that way. So. Hmm. Oh no, it's two and a half on DraftKings now. Oh, okay. okay. Moved again. Yeah. No, I think people people are hitting the Knicks hard recently. So, people are high on the Knicks, but no, I I mean, Knicks are uh, Knicks are an away underdog. I would look. I rarely ever bet on the Knicks, but the Pelicans defense is so damn bad that I would never bet with no Lonzo with no Lonzo that I wouldn't bet on the Pelicans against uh, a Tibbs defense. It's not like they're going to have an easy time scoring. So plus two and a half, I would bet on the Knicks. Yeah, I would bet on the Knicks in this game. We have. Uh, I'm gonna bet. It. What am I saying? I'm going to bet on the Knicks in this game. I'm betting on them in this game. I'm looking at. They have um, that show right before the Knicks pregame where they like just review all of the bets on Fanduel and stuff like that. I think. Yeah. At, what are they plus two and a half? Mm-hmm. Um, they have Dallas on Friday, right or no? I believe, yeah. I think I'm like back yeah. and forth on this man. I don't know. Lo- uh, lose I, tonight and then statement winning against Dallas. That's kind of what I think, man. I, I need another Obi Toppin. I, I display of Poppin. Uh, I really, I really would love to see that. Um, Jeff, Jeff, before we wrap this show up, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do <laughs> we, it, Jeff. Are we gonna do an? Are we gonna do an OB review? Let's do it, Jeff. Review? Because oh, we 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 argued. Yes. And I, because of John, have been turned from an OB hater 
to uh, please God, be patient with this kid and stop. Why? He's like 40. What are you waiting for? <laughs> because be patient with him, I'm Chip. joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Patience, Chip. Joking. God. Point joking. guard, you Chip. You can't make a joke about Obi Toppin. God. I've heard too many things about him being fat. He's like my child now. <laughs> People are like, Burger King boy. I'm like, don't you talk about him like that. <laughs> Um, I have his jersey that very closet. I, I just it's you know, Devin Vassell could have had him, Tyrese Halliburton. I wasn't even a Halley guy, you guys had me beat on that one. I wasn't even a Halley guy, yeah. And that's that was Chip's win for real. But you know, I'll, I'll make this excuse if if I knew that Julius was going to do this. I, I would have been a little more open on, on Halley and way less open to Toppin than I already of was. Of course. Yeah, man. I mean, listen, it's, it's been a really tough year. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's really not a lot of um, beating my chest you're going to see me do here on this pod. Um, the only thing I'll say is that the age for me doesn't factor in as much um, just because he's had a super late growth spurt and he literally like the guy from Dayton told us, you know, the, the Ricardo Greer, one of their assistant coaches, he said that when they got him on campus, he grew a ton. I think he was six, four yeah. when they got him. And, um, so he's really still just learning how to play in his body. Uh, add on the fact that the Knicks offense is, is really not suiting his strengths. Right. And I'm not saying change it to suit this really, really struggling rookie with a limited skill set. No, but I've, I've agreed all year that he needs to be in the dunker spot. He needs to be rolling. He needs to have his ability to pass out of the post exploited by Tibbs. Yeah. Uh, And those, he's not in position for that yet because defense. So uh, he's not ready. Yeah. I think the only thing I'm worried about, I, and you know what, like I'm trying to be patient with myself too, because like, I still see that this kid is smart. The The two saving graces that I have for me are that even though he clearly has physical limitations on defense, like just watching him trying to switch his hips and staying with guys on the perimeter is really tough. And that was a criticism that was like very clear in college too. Um, clearly they hit him a lot as well, but I do think that he is, he, he's a bright passer, man. Like, like, put him in the double team in the post, whatever it is. Like he is, he's very good at finding the open man. He's very good at finding guys cutting. You can see him running and cutting on the court with the intent of flying for a, and people just don't find him sometimes. Um, the, so the two, two biggest, biggest saving points for me are, I actually really like when you get him running to the basket full of steam and you give him the ball and, um, he actually absorbs contact well and can actually finish through that with some nice kind of like lift nifty lay-ins. The shooting hasn't been good, but I, I just, I can't believe it'll be as bad as it's been. Um, but I think the biggest criticism on myself that I have to take is like looking at what his ceiling could be given where he is now. So that's kind of where I'm like, Oh shit. I think that was my thing. The whole time was like, um, I think, was it Stacy Patton? Who wrote the article? Someone, I think it might have been Stacy. I think it was Prez. 
about about his paths though like the yeah. paths that obi mean. had to stardom yeah might have been might have been ted i think i think it was stacy someone at the strickland it was strict it was strict and it was an, a great article about the power forwards of the draft and the paths that they had to effectiveness and it was like obi has a path right that is possible these guys have multiple paths that are all potentially less promising than this one but are like it's like it's like super likely that one of them hits and obi it's like this is the way um i still think he could totally get get there i still think like i still think i underrated his defense and how um his ability to just like put the ball on the floor like how much that would matter from his position and size too um i think the only thing though gotta get him going though as you're saying yeah no that's true i think the only thing though where like now and it and it has a lot to do with julius like the only thing now where i have to kind of sit back and say like well like let's say even obi becomes good like what's really gonna be his role or future on this team you know what i mean like and i know that there were guys like i think schwinn even said this like well the goal with obi is just going to be to get his trade value up before his second contract comes and then we can trade him and get something back. But that's just, that's just tough for, I think Leon Rose to say with my first draft pick ever for the New York Knicks, I took Obi. but I mean, listen, I, I like the kid because he's, he's got a great smile. He's charismatic. He seems like a really hard worker. He wants us to work. He's a lot of his struggles are in his head right now. You can tell it's super mental, but I'm not going to lie, man. Like I kind of have to err on the side of like, it's a mistake just from the standpoint of even if he becomes good, Julius Randle is playing his spot. You know what I mean? So there's only going to be so much that he can do on this team. So that's going to be the tough part. Yeah. I, I think he'll be all right. I think they'll find something that works. Um, if he ends up in purple and orange, I'll be okay too. So In purple and orange? You heard me. Phoenix? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, yeah. You're talking about a Devin Booker trade. Okay. Oh, yeah. Still still fishing for that one, even though the second best team in the West? I'll be fishing for that one until the kid's 38. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I think he's happy right now. Devin Booker. He's and Chris be- Paul is old enough to be my dad, Chip. Chris Paul's old enough to be. I'm old enough to be your dad. I'm like thirty. You're not an NBA player, Chip. <laughs> Chris Paul's. Be, Chris Paul's getting out of there. Chris you don't Paul, have to be old to be your dad. You, you Chris said, Paul's. Chris Paul's going to. Chris Paul's going to Miami, and not to play basketball. I'm talking retirement. I'm talking. <laughs> I'm talking. Give it like three years, and Devin Booker is a free agent all of a sudden in 2024 and 2023. He'll be expiring. And just like Anthony Davis, um, we might see another Kentucky guy make a handshake deal with World Wide West. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't hate it. I don't see that. I, I need don't see, it. I don't see that one. I see Towns is way more likely. Oh, Christ. I know you hate Towns, but. I don't hate Towns. I, I, I He's Jersey and he's Dominican. And he's a ridiculously offensively talented. He's just like 
maybe the he, biggest. He's got. He's got to prove. He's got to prove. He's got to prove a lot, and I don't know that I want to pay him a max with where we are right now to find out if he can prove it or not. No, I I agree. I agree with that. Especially same, when you, same theory. Yeah. Like, would you would you trade the farm for Ben Simmons? I would not. Not with you. Probably he's a really great player, but you'd probably rather build the way we're building, right? Yeah. Because Ben Simmons is, is is really talented, but he's got some stuff to prove at the playoff level, yeah, which ben talents Simmons has barely score, even though. reached. Ben Simmons and can't score. Though. Ben Simmons. I'm not trying to be the team where Ben Simmons finds out if he is going to prove this stuff or not. I want. I want to just. Until we're there, you know, and I'm not this is simplistic, but I'm not giving up three first round picks for a guy who can't score from outside of six feet from the basket. So that's I mean, that's just I know that's stupid point of view, whatever, but the guy doesn't score. So that just makes sense to me to not do that. That's why I wouldn't just blow up my team for him. No, you've got other options. And, you know, my. I my, oh my well my dream is my dream is Obi and company aka like the picks trademark like the the picks to Phoenix extend Booker fill out the roster or, or complimentary ring chasers Max Booker extension. Embiid will be a free agent in the summer of 24. Okay. Do that. And then over the cap for RJ's second contract. Okay. That's, I like that's this. the pipe dream. That's the oh. super, super pipe dream is Booker, RJ, Embiid as your three. And um, this Booker trade is happening in 2022 20, or 2023? The 2023 season before the deadline, like oh. at the deadline. Yeah, 2024 Embiid could be like fuck this. I could see that. If Booker and if Booker's start in New York is going pretty well and Embiid's yeah. a free agent and like he gets Simmons in a room with Leon Rose then. and World yeah. Wide West yeah. and he doesn't leave without signing on the dotted line. Yeah. Simmons You'll could see be me. Gone Operation by Operation Armani, Operation Hans. <laughs> I'm out here, man. Now, I love that. I love that as the route going forward. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming on. This was, all as always, a ton of fun. Chris and Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thank Jeff, you for having us. Thank Absolutely, you, man. man. 100%. Thank you. Jeff, do you have anything you're working on right now you want to plug? Uh, no, just uh, Hoops Addicts Anonymous pod. Uh, my, my guy Chip knows well. I've heard about that one. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got our little mom and pop thing going on over there. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, besides that, just trying to find time to write, um, and, uh, just, just living in paradise day by day. That's it. Nice. Chris, I know you're working on a lot of stuff. What do you want to plug? Always man. Knicks games at halftime. Come over to my page. I'll be live pregame might have a clubhouse room going over at Nick's house, which is, I think over 130 members. So that's cool. Um, and then. WFUV sports. I'm around uh, pick and pod one-on-one nightly different, different shows that are productions of WFUV sports. I, I have my occasional involvement, but all will be linked, you know, through, uh, through my Twitter, of course, at Chris Percy Island. Uh, 
yeah, that, that's about it. Thank you for having me on, Chip. All right. Thanks, guys, for coming on. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Stay safe.